0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 122 of Rain Delay Radio. This is Dylan checking with you on a Sunday evening. Uh, we're just gonna chat a little bit about this week in baseball. And uh, with me today is my good friend Pat. How's it going, man?
1: Dude, it's going good. It's been a while since we had a Dylan Pat Power Hour here on RDR. How
0: you doing? uh pretty good just had a nice trip to uh north carolina um shout out the triangle there we got to watch some lacrosse some division three women's lacrosse like the most exciting thing out there but um yeah and got to have a nice weekend away but uh glad to be back in town glad to be recording watching some baseball um how about you uh
1: you know i'm doing good had a good weekend um hung out with some buddies they played magic and uh now i'm just switching between uh Bruins, Panthers and the Phillies Astros
0: game. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, no, um, NHL and NBA playoffs are on like full swing to distract us from the baseball stuff, but we're still paying attention, you know, during the day. <laughs> so Yeah, um, but it's been it's been good all around, uh, exciting stuff and every facet right now. Um, later on in this episode, our co-host Naim spokes or speaks with Carter Chapley of the St. Louis post dispatch kind of about Cardinals baseball right now, which I think will be interesting because St. Louis is not doing super hot right now. We can touch on it real quickly, but you know, Jordan Walker can't really play defense and wasn't really hitting the ball. Well, Aaron Otto struggling, um, the pitching staff, I don't think anyone thought was going to be good, but might be worse than that so um, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion there I mean I'm sure there will be some points of optimism but I'm very curious to see Cardinals fan to Cardinals writer what they think you know the issues going on there are
1: definitely they're they're pretty brutal right now I had them as like the easy central winner to me but now you know they don't look good
0: Yeah, it's it's tough too when your main flaw is starting pitching, you know, I think that's their number one flaw, you know, blinking with a red red sign on it. I don't know, but like and and we kind of knew this was possible, even though they've kind of gotten away with Miles Michaelis and these guys and Jack Flaherty not being there and Wainwright still hasn't pitched. And, you know, they're kind of relying on kind of a mishmash of guys. So. Um, I will certainly be listening to Naim and Carter uh, chat about that for a little while. Um, real quick, before we kind of get into our weekly observations, Naim wanted to take a quick second. Uh, the He wanted to say a few words about Mike Shannon. Uh, Mike Shannon was the longtime Cardinals broadcaster who died this week at the age of 83, and I know Naim, you know, Like we mentioned, big Cardinals fan, big part of his life. And these broadcasters are parts of our lives. And I know he wanted to just drop in a quick note uh, before we get going. So I will pass the baton to him real quick.
2: Thanks, Dylan. Um, I, you know, I hate doing this. Uh, This, this sucks, right? Um, uh, Last year, um, I had to hop on to uh, be the one to eulogize Vin Scully uh, because he passed away after we recorded the episode, but before it released. And as the editor, I hopped on, did a quick, you know, a quick eulogy for him, and um, and that's what went out. And you can go back and listen to that uh, if you'd like to. Uh, it was around the All Star break last year, I believe. Um, actually, I think it was Kevin's first episode uh, as a, as a permanent co host, uh, coincidentally. Um, Look, Mike Shannon was no Vin Scully. And no one's ever going to pretend that he was Vin Scully. And he was no Jack Buck. And no one's ever going to pretend that he was Jack Buck. He did work with Jack Buck, though. And, you know, he's he's a somebody who was around Cardinal Baseball pretty much his entire life. He dedicated his life to Cardinal Baseball. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of people who come to St. Louis and stay with the Cardinals or, you know, come mid career, come early in their career and come back to St. Louis, bounce around, whatever, whatever. Uh, Mike Shannon was born in St. Louis, raised in St. Louis, went to high school in St. Louis, went to college in Missouri, uh, played for the Cardinals, uh, retired as a Cardinal, then broadcast for the Cardinals. Um, You know, this Mike Shannon, Possibly more than anybody ever, ever (laughs) lived, died, and breathed Cardinals baseball. Um, Mike Shannon was the voice of the Cardinals for many, many years, uh, first on television, uh, then on the radio. Uh he retired from the radio uh at the conclusion of the 2021 postseason, um, leaving those duties to uh uh Rick Horton and John Rooney. Um you know, <laughs> it's tough, right? And 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 Dylan mentioned broadcasters are a big parts of our lives as sports fans. You know, they're the people who we hear day in and day out, you know, 162 games of baseball. Even if you don't catch all 162, you know, how many hours of my life has been spent listening to Mike Shannon, it's hard to quantify, you know. Um and uh and certainly, you know, I'm I'm a person who got into baseball a little later in my life, I was uh, I was 19 or 20 years old when I really got into baseball. Um, so I only really caught about 10 years, a little less than that, of Mike Shannon's career. It was, it was already on the decline. You know, he was, as Dylan said, he was 83 years old when he passed. He was already in his 70s by the time I started really paying attention, like listening to, you know, listening to many, many radio games a year. Um there's really, I mean, there's really not much else I can say. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, like I said, it's it's hard. You know, he, he's not the Vince Scully national, um, you know, where, where obviously Vince Scully was a Dodgers broadcaster, but everybody knows Vince Scully, right? Jack Buck was a Cardinals broadcaster, but everybody knows Jack Buck. Uh, Mike Shannon was a Cardinals broadcaster, and Cardinals fans knew and loved Mike Shannon. And, you know, if you were a baseball fan, maybe you... Listened to a few Cardinals games and listened to some uh, some Mike Shannon and and obviously the Cardinals radio broadcast uh, was well known for its wide reach um, in the uh, you know in the eras before TV and and even since um, even now in Illinois on a clear night I can pick up a Cardinals broadcast from you know uh, northwest of Chicago so i don't know there's <laughs> it's it's tough to to eulogize somebody who who's been such a big part of your life um and and particularly a guy like mike shannon who who towers in again in, in cardinal baseball um he'll be missed and um it's a bummer it sucks um but uh hopefully he'll uh get up baby get up to that uh, great baseball heaven in the sky Alright, back to you Dylan, thanks for that Uh, thanks for giving me that moment
0: And with that, let's get into some of the big kind of news and notes that we had for this week of baseball I think the Pirates were kind of an interesting team in so many ways, it's not typically a team that would maybe lead off our discussion here, but I mean, if they probably have enough storylines right now to fill out, you know, a lot of this conversation It's
1: so fun to see finally (laughs)
0: Out of nowhere, so the Pirates are the best team in the National League. That's kind of the headline a little bit on this Sunday. They have 20 wins. They're the first team in the National League to 20 wins. Um, They signed Brian Reynolds to an eight-year, $106 million extension. I think there's a team option there at the end, so pretty good deal for both sides, I would say. You know, it's not like too rich for the team like that, that, you know, probably wouldn't sign it. Otherwise, but you know, Brian's still making good money and probably worthwhile. And then the excellent Drew Magi. Is it yeah, Magi, right? Drew Magi story. Uh, I think it's I think it's Maggie. Maggie? Yeah. yeah. So we'll go One with Maggie. Um, either way, thirteen years in minor league baseball. He had made the major leagues before but didn't get a chance to debut. So he was kind yep. of in that like weird major league limbo. And he comes up makes his debut in the middle of this kind of crazy hot streak they're on and, you know, kind of inserts himself into, um, you know, kind of the great things that are happening here and, you know, getting those yeah. first hits and stuff. And just what, what is your perspective on all this <laughs> shockingly good news coming from Pittsburgh? Um,
1: so as someone who was born in Pittsburgh and lived there for a little bit of my life, I like, I'm so happy to see this going on. Um, uh, it's like, I have a soft spot for the Pirates, uh, Just because like this is where I'm from. And I'm a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for them. So like it's cool to see them back in it, you know, after the years of of struggle and bad trades and all of that. Um them spending money to extend Reynolds is awesome. Is he certainly the, the the core piece of the team. Um and when you consider that they got him in the trade for Andrew McCutcheon, and now McCutcheon's back on the team, like it's cool seeing those two play together. Um, they just have looked great, and even losing uh, O'Neill Cruz, they still look really good. And you know, Cruz is going to be back in a month or two. I believe that was the prognosis for the injury. Um, and you know, with how weak the NL Central is, I don't see it out of the realm of possibility that they could, you know, if they keep this going. They could win it. Um, the The Maggie story is great. You know, he was he was called up, and then he got sent down on Friday. So he didn't get to get in a game when he got called up initially. But then they had to add him to the roster for a doubleheader with the Nationals. So mm. he comes up, he gets his first hit and his first RBI in the same at bat, which is great. And then he got another hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a really fun story for this guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how, you know, they obviously started well. But when the cruise injury happened, it felt like it could all just be like, well, like, cool, like, glad they showed up. It was up. a fun run, yeah. You know, like, I hope you enjoyed your middle of April, but, like, you know, it's all downhill from here, and obviously there's a lot of season left, but, like, months like these do help a lot when you're a fan, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's really huge when you can, one, like I said, get get a guy like Reynolds under contract after months and months and months of, like, we're going to lose another guy, you know, and especially a guy that, you know, you traded Andrew McCutcheon for like they had a lot of emotional baggage, you know, now now yeah. that's like the best version, you know, it's it's having both those yeah. guys on the team right now at this time is so great. You got guys, you know, really showing up that like ne- they kind of needed to show up, right? Like Mitch Kellers looked a lot better. Oh, Contreras, Contreras has been one of the best in baseball right now as far as like per start, you know. Um, Vinny Velo has looked great for them. <laughs> Velo, <laughs> so Vinny good. Velasquez, <laughs> Vinny V. Um, yeah, I mean he has. I, I took him in our baseball league where we take bad players, and he's made me pay for it. <laughs> yeah. you know, usually taking pirates he's, would be. He's uh, usually
1: a sports champion, but now yeah. he's
0: looking good. He's a he's a sports antihero. Um, <laughs> but you know, and yeah, they got, and I mean. I think the biggest part of their lineup is Andrew McCutcheon's hitting the crap out of the ball. All they needed
1: was him back there. That's all they
0: needed. The vibes are pristine, you know? And so, um, really exciting for Pittsburgh. I hope, you know, in situations like these, I hope that is a sign of things to come rather than just a blip of, you know, fun things. I'm
1: traveling out there this summer to catch a game because, you know, it's only five hours to Pittsburgh from where I am. Right. I'm go out there for a weekend, catch catch a few games out there. Right, it, it feels like a good time to go out there now.
0: Yeah, like whenever I've thought about going to Pittsburgh, it's like, oh, well, the Pirates suck. Maybe I can get some cheap tickets and go to a great baseball stadium. But now it's like, yeah. okay, now you get like you can see cheap tickets and a decent team. Right, you can see a decent team starting to form. If nothing else, you know, and at if at best, it's going to be a team making a playoff push. You know, if they actually maybe struck gold with a few guys that they maybe didn't expect to like Vince Velasquez or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, uh, we mentioned, you mentioned before, you know, they, they could be a serious playoff threat if for no other reason, than like the Cardinals aren't good right now. They're more talented, but they're not good. The Brewers are better, but, have their own issues, you know. I think yep. everyone's skeptical the about their hitting and then, you know, if their pitching staff gets hurt like at all, you know, they're they can yeah. probably go through a lull. So um, you know, it's having a month like this matters, you know, and uh yeah. it couldn't couldn't be a better month <laughs> to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan after what they've gone yeah. through for quite a few years. Um I wanted to hit on something that you will be very excited about. Uh, Oh, yeah. One, Bryce Harper is apparently trying to return from Tommy John surgery this week. Uh, He had Tommy John surgery five months ago, like basically right after the season. And uh, there was reports and I mean, you know, there's videos of not just reports, but he's been testing it at first base. So maybe not a ton of throwing and stuff, but. Apparently he is ready to roll now, either as a first baseman yeah. or DH or combination of the two, which is just five months for a Tommy John surgery. I don't care who you are, or where you've been. That is wild. So um, what is your perspective on this? And what have you heard about his process getting back onto the field? So he's
1: just been doing what he usually does and just staying focused and, and, and keeping, keeping to the grind. Like he's, Trained really hard to get to this point. Um, I think it was like two weeks after he had the surgery, and they they were like, "I mean, you can hit off a tee if you want." He was in there hitting off a tee. Um, he's he's put in all the work to come back, and you know he could theoretically have returned a few weeks ago. Apparently, they just need him cleared for base running. So that's what this appointment's going to be about on Monday. Um, they're going to try and clear him for base running just so he doesn't tear the tendon again base uh-huh. running um, most likely he's going to be cleared he'll be in the lineup Tuesday night in Dodger Stadium if that's the case um, it's just like every time I think that he can't impress me anymore he does he does stuff like this uh-huh. like he, he he doesn't feel human it's like he's got like Wolverine mutant healing, you know? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like I know I know the the phrase got thrown around with like Russell Wilson a few years ago, like, oh, he's a quick healer. Dude,
0: mm-hmm. Bryce Harper is a quick healer. Dude is a freak. Like, like it's insane. Goodness gracious. I mean not only did y'all get a great player by signing him, but clearly you got, you know, you central to your franchise's success and you know. Yeah a vibe and everything right like dude he's is just mr. giving everything you could want yeah
1: he's absolutely mr phil like if you were to ask me who the face of philadelphia sports is it's him and jason kelsey without a doubt yeah it's those two
0: it's so crazy do you think do you think they're going to try the first base thing quickly i know they're kind of they are in need of one but think, do you think they're going to rush him quick. into that spot or do you think they're going to try no. de-aging first They're going to do DH. I think
1: it'll be Bohm at first. um, And then the outfield of Castellanos, um, Marsh, Schwarber, uh, with Souza playing third base. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, if they want to give one of the guys in the outfield a break, well, they can't really do it now because Pache's hurt. Oh, yeah. They probably would have done Castellanos at first and Mm -hmm. uh, Pache right and Marsh center. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we'll see Harper actually play first until like July or
0: August. Yeah. Fortunately, some of their depth has really worked out. Like Edmundo Sosa has played really well. I mean, I, yeah. I've always liked him or I've liked him for the last year or two, just cause yeah. he, he has a simple kind of role, but like, he's a great guy to have around, you know, he plays good defense at short and third or second or whatever. And he hits the hell out of left-handed pitching, oh, yeah. you know? It, and it helps that the kids have figured it out too. Like Stott, Marsh, and Bowman have all yeah. figured it out this year. You mentioned Pache is actually like hitting the ball, which makes me like, yeah. like, whoa! It's like, like Kevin Long fixed him. I I am very curious to see where that goes because they're playing him in like left field and it's working, yep. like okay. Yep. But so maybe that's you know we'll see. Hopefully he comes back from the injury okay. But you know, yeah, and then so. Cassianos is
1: crushing. I don't even know Dude, like what to say about so that. Like, and he's a Gold Glove right fielder now too. Like, yeah, the, Valley's you robbing saw, you home saw runs. The, yeah, he robbed. Whoever it was of a home run in Houston, I think it was Tucker
0: or someone. You had uh, Bryce Harper or <laughs> Nick Castellanos as the favorite for the NL Gold Glove in right field. Um, Love you it. know, I hope you cash in on that bet really, really well. So, um, yeah, so that should be really exciting to see Harper make his return. On the kind of flip side of this, kind of another star in the same ilk, Jacob deGrom, uh, was, has been having a pretty good first season with the Rangers. Not perfect necessarily, but like, striking dudes out an absurd clip. Like, he had like one bad start at the beginning of the season and has otherwise been pretty yeah. dominant. He has hit the 15-day injured list with a forearm strain. Um, it's that time of the year. Yeah, he pitched four innings, I think, the other day and left and you know, I, I wish it was not <laughs> as predictable but... 4 hour strain, kind of a scary injury to hear with someone like that. They just signed him to that, and, you know, he got a lot more money than I think people expected him to, at least for a yeah. contract you can't trade away. And, you know, it's just tough. Like, we all we all know he's the best. Like, would you, is anyone debating it at this point? Like, he's just so no, he's,
1: good. When he's on the mound, he's the best pitcher in baseball. But he just, you know, like...
0: Like, is this just theory, every year or is this is this going to be injury? a big injury? I don't know. I,
1: I, I think I my theory is he didn't start throwing 100 miles an hour until he was 30. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can't start doing that at that age. And I think that's why we're seeing this, because just his arm could can't handle it. Yeah, because these injuries didn't really start until he started doing that.
0: I just don't know the mechanics that go into that stuff. And nothing he ever does. Nothing he ever does looks like it doesn't hard. look hard. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't look like that aggressive. He kind of has a whip of an arm. And you know, it's that's you know, it's he is a it's slender dude, but he's really athletic. You know, former yeah. shortstop. I don't know if that makes him, you know. I feel like that should be a good thing. I I think pitching injuries are mostly random, but like when it happens this consistently, I'm I'm willing to entertain that's any every option. You know, like I don't know like Otani has slowed himself down a little bit and just leaves the 100 for when he wants it. You know, I don't know that. I think that's more for a control thing. But with the Grom, it's like, I'm sure it's hard to tell someone like that, like, hey, maybe we should dial it back a little bit for your own health. One, because we don't know if that's actually causing that. And two, like, it's hard to tell someone like, hey, like, don't be the best person on the planet at your job. You know, like, like you should be the third best person on your planet to maybe pitch a few more innings. You know, we don't even know. So it's like, it's just such a tricky situation. And I think we were all personally, I mean, I say this, you know, he's not a Met anymore, right? So it's easy for me to say now, like, I'm cool seeing what Jacob deGrom fully healthy, full force, full bore looks like, you know, over. Right. At least 150 innings, right? 150 is at least what we want to get to. If you're talking like Cy Young contention, right? Yeah, and you know we we see it, and he's doing it. He's not any worse than he was, but no, you know, he's still Jacob Degrom. Um, you know, forearm strain. But unfortunately, mean, that
1: means he's still Jacob DeGrom with the yeah,
0: injuries. He, he has not ceased being Jacob DeGrom in better or worse. <laughs> so um, we're, I think we're all rooting for it to be mild, you know, it's, it's possible, you know, but for, like I said, for forearm is always the one that I go, Ooh, you know, like that's, that's not a good sign for a lot of people, but hopefully he yeah. stays away anything serious. And this is a blip on an otherwise great season for him. I agree. A few more things just to touch on before we move on to uh, Nime and his interview with Carter Chapley. Um, Mexico City series uh, wound up this weekend and uh, the balls were flying. (laughs) It was like a home run derby. I believe the first game was 16 to 11 and there was an MLB... Record tied with ten different players hitting home runs, yep. <laughs> it was just like dude just hitting nukes left and right. I think there were more four hundred and fifty foot home runs hit in that game than like ever been hit. It was just like like the first game too, right there was only two was it only two games there? yeah, it was only two games they did there, and then the first game was just you know the total first game is a slug you know yeah. So um, I think there was a report that they didn't like have the right kind of like humidor that they would for a place like Coors. Yeah. And if you don't know about Mexico and it's, you know, kind of topography, Mexico City's baseball stadium is 72, I think 7,200 feet above sea level. Yeah. And Denver is like 5,000 something like, so <laughs> it's like Coors on crack basically and with no form of preventing you know with no way of i guess dulling those balls it just went buck wild it, it, it went wild it was so
1: much fun to watch
0: <laughs> just just the balls flying i think someone called it like it was like watching like a game of like mlb slugfest or something like that we were talking about the video games i think a couple of weeks ago um uh, but yeah. it was it was like watching you know uh the game of MLB, the show on like rookie, you know, or it's just like, Oh, that one, that one's not coming back either. Is it? So yeah. uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what they wanted, but it was certainly really exciting. So um, I think that's definitely a success um, for major league baseball and those teams. Um, and then Xander Bogarts became the first team to ever hit a home run on four countries as he did it in Mexico and England when they played yep. in London I and mean, the Red Sox played in London. So cool stuff in there. If you didn't see those, uh, please go watch, you know, the mini home run derby that was staged in Mexico City. Um, see, we, we mentioned the Cardinals earlier and we had to bring this team up in particular because they're, they're in a worse state than the Cardinals are for a lot of reasons. The Chicago White Sox, are in a really really bad stretch right now with baseball. Kind of a comedy of errors, like a lot of things going on there that don't feel good. Um they were playing the race. And fortunately <laughs> they did win today. So they, they were able to like come off a really horrible they, they stretch. The yeah. yeah they got they got a walk off win. So they ended the week on a good note after just about as bad of a note as you could possibly be on, because the only team that's worse than them in the American League is Kansas City and Oakland, I think. And, right. you know, Chicago's probably running what, like a $200 million payroll, something like that. And, like, I mean, they were just getting beat a lot. And then the Rays come into town, lots of weird things happen, bad errors, whatever. Lance Lynn has a no-hitter going through the seventh inning. They didn't give up 10 runs <laughs> in yep. one inning. It's just like a mess. Um, And, you know, it's just one of those things where they're we, – we talked about the advantage of Pittsburgh having 20 wins banks, right, and like how big that is even if yeah. they aren't that good the rest of the season. Yeah. Chicago has 21 losses banked. And like being 8 and 21 after the first month of the season puts you in a really uncomfortable, you know, space. And yeah, it's,
1: it's not a good spot for them right now. And yeah. I didn't even think they were a playoff team to begin with coming into this year. Yeah. Like they just, they don't have like, yeah, Luis Roberts a star, but they just don't have the makeup.
0: Like, a lot of their dudes are, like, hurt. Like, I think we all love Tim Anderson yeah. and, you know, some of these other guys. You know, oh, God, is a guy that everyone used to like. And then it seems like he's just, ever since 2020, you know, maybe, like, you know, I, I think it's been speculated COVID might have played a part in some of these things that he's dealt with because he kind of got hit hard by it and, you know, various injuries. I mean, yeah. L- Ro- Luis Robert got you know, chastised basically by his manager for not running out of play. And he says he's hurt and he says, but no one knows if he's hurt. So it's just like, uh, it's just, there's nothing really going right. I mean, Dylan Cease is good. Like, yeah, he's good. He's very good. Like his ERA isn't great, but like, I think we know he's good. Like, Yeah, they had lost what? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row before that triumphant victory on Sunday afternoon. So, um, the the main reason I wanted to bring this up though, and we talked about this briefly before the podcast. But if you have TikTok, if you have you know YouTube, whatever, whatever you need to do to find this video. There is a there is a show on, I guess, White Sox radio, ESPN 1000. I believe it is. If that's not right, I apologize. But in Chicago and a fan called in and apparently this dude is like a actor, like he's like a, you know, Broadway actor or something. Yeah. And he calls in and just gets like. Rips the it feels like 10 minutes. I don't think it's quite that long, but it's like five or plus minutes of something. And he just goes in about how embarrassing he like the team is and how awful it is watching them, <laughs> and just like the depths of despair he is experiencing as a white sox fan, but he does it in a way that's so like tight and eloquent, you know like yeah. that is just unbelievable, you know like i you very rarely hear fans that like put together. Something that's like really coherent (laughs) because they're usually just blinded by rage or happiness. And I don't know if he wrote this stuff down or if this is just his acting prowess, you know, kicking in. But dude delivered a soliloquy for the ages. So highly. It's like a
1: combo of
0: both. Yeah, it it was just it was so good. So. That's kind of your like homework is just to make sure you watch that video. There's a lot of great things to watch in baseball this week. I think that's the best one. <laughs>
1: if you have to yeah, like, catch up I, on I anything,
0: agree. please just look up White Sox sports or White Sox radio rant, whatever it takes, because that dude is it's, awesome. It's worth watching. Yeah. Apparently, it's seven straight minutes, basically. In the video I saw, I watched on TikTok. In the video I saw, the radio host just let him go. Like they didn't even say they they said something like six and a half minutes in, like, oh wow. (laughs) Like well said. And it was just like going for it. It was fantastic. Hopefully, maybe that sparked a little return to form. Although I think the Lance Lynn and then 10 run inning was after that. So maybe not, but (laughs) maybe I don't think I can get worse in Chicago. You know, uh, or for Southside. So um, maybe, maybe they just from being in as bad as they can possibly be, maybe they're brighter days ahead. It's possible. Maybe not. But no. I doubt it. <laughs> we're, I doubt it. Uh, we're going to go with probably not, but at least they'll They're have close. they'll they'll know what to remember the season for and it was yeah. uh one fans radio rants in late april unfortunately um one last kind of fun thing we wanted to you know just get out into the world that i'm sure a lot of people have gone over uh i know meg <laughs> effectively wild crew had a good time with this the dodgers uh seemingly unending stream of paternity leave has continued into this week. Uh, they've had, yeah. I think, seven. They had a good all star break. Yeah. They, I think they've had at least seven guys leave for paternity leave in the last like two to three weeks. And then, like, they're like dudes. I, including Cody Bellinger. I was going to say. On the Cubs. Yeah. Including guys that aren't on the team now, but were like last year <laughs> are also in that mix. And it's just the weird, it's just so strange, like it's brought up a lot of a interesting in that. Yeah, that's that's what you had to think of, right? Like, is there is there intentionality here? On. Right? Cause, or what what happened at this time last year that everyone's like, alright now's the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's get this done well, what's going on here? <laughs> well. So it's funny, and it's also one of great mysteries in baseball right now is yeah true were they conspiring to all have children at the same time um obviously congratulations to all of the dodgers and their wives and families but it's also really funny to me it's very funny (laughs) congrats on the sex los angeles dodgers way to go. <laughs> Congratulations uh and you know maybe 10 months down the road, you know. Well, maybe it's like on a you know timer now. Like maybe we'll expect it next time. You know, uh, not the, 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 the all-star game fertility timer. <laughs> the timer's been s- s- starting now. So, um but yeah. I think that was everything uh for this week. Obviously there's some minor notes, but we wanted to leave some time for Naim and Carter to chat about Cardinals baseball. Pat, anything else from you this week? Uh
1: not you know, Phillies have finally figured it out, it seems. Um I did want to touch on how good their bullpen has been. Yeah. Um I think they've allowed like three runs over the last like forty
0: innings or something like that. As much as um, I hate Jose Alvarado, he's been like dude,
1: he's the best reliever in insane. baseball right now. Yeah. Like I hate the yeah, guy and it's, he's it's, killing it's it. wild. So, you know, when Harper gets back, I'm I'm feeling better about the team now.
0: Yeah, it's it's it certainly feel primed for, you know uh but I what gotta to give form.
1: credit to the to the Braves. Like that that team is just Unstoppable. Like I, I fear the Braves more than I fear any other team in yep. baseball. The only right thing now. that
0: stopped them is the weather in New York City. So hopefully, yep, that's it. <laughs> hopefully, they can't uh, beat the weather. They can play baseball tomorrow. Uh, that would be really nice. So, fingers yeah. crossed. Um, but yeah, it looks like we got some, you know, Braves are all they're cracked we up to be. Fun
1: NL East race going yeah, on. The
0: Mets will be in the mix once their guys are healthy and Scherzer is. <laughs> Not suspended, yeah. yeah. it's um, so funny. So, yeah. Um, well, good. Well, let's leave it there. Um, we will reconvene next week to talk about some more stuff, and we will leave it to Nime and Carter.
2: Folks, Naim here, and I am speaking to Carter Chapley. Carter is the digital baseball producer at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, covering the Cardinals. Uh, Carter, how's it going?
3: It's going well. It's a tough time to be covering the Cardinals, but all things considered, it's going pretty well.
2: Boy, howdy! You don't have to tell me twice, (laughs) Um, Carter. uh, First, I want to ask you, how did you come to this this role of digital baseball producer at the Post-Dispatch?
3: Yeah, so I started in sports media in St. Louis for a little company called Scoops with Danny Mac, uh, with Dan McLaughlin, and I covered. I started off covering mostly uh, St. Louis University Billiken stuff. So for all my Billiken fans out there, I'm still I still do that pretty regularly, just independently, uh, along with my coworker Stu Durando, But uh, you know, I, I did that for probably three or four years, and then the Post Dispatch had a position open uh, for a digital sports producer, digital baseball producer. Um, and I had made a lot of connections. I got connected with Ben Fred and, and Ben Hockman, uh, Studerando, of course, through the, at the post-dispatch. And so when that job became available, they kind of like pointed me towards it and said, Hey, you should, you should look at this. And when we started it, it wasn't really a role. It wasn't a role that existed. Uh, it was for a project called STL Pinch Hits, which, uh, shortly thereafter died because it just wasn't a well organized, you know, project. Uh, but and so it turned into uh, myself and my coworker who I work with very closely, Daniel Guerrero, basically just converting over from pinch hits to stltoday.com and, and the post dispatch. Um, so it was a new role that was designed to bring new and interesting uh, content options to uh, Cardinals fans and readers, which has since expanded into uh, City and Blues and, and Mizzou and Billikens and Battlehawks. And so now I kind of do it all, but my main focus is still, of course, your St. Louis Cardinals.
2: And uh, so, what does what is because like you said, it is kind of a new role. It's it's a role you don't really hear about from a lot of of papers or or you know necessarily. So what does what does that role, I guess, entail? Besides just you know the vagueness of, of of creating content, which I think you know is is kind of a a catch all that a lot of people use these days.
3: Yeah, it's a, a percentage of it is just creating content, right? Like that's a percentage of the role is just being available as part of the staff. I mean the card. The Cardinals, clear in a way, are the most popular team in the city. Our metrics show that time and time again. It's not even, like we can't compare anything to it. So there's a value in creating. You just
2: walk around a schnooks and you'll see. <laughs> yeah. like,
3: exactly. Like it's it's not even a question. So we don't even compare any other sport anymore to Cardinal success. It's not worth doing. Um, and, and so there's a value to just creating content around the team. Uh, so a, a lot of papers have a rule similar to mine. They just don't dedicate it to, to one thing. Like we do, mm. um, as of how popular the Cardinals are. So, percentage of it is just I write the daily first pitch blog. I write uh, if there's points of interest that our writers can't get to, or if they're if they're traveling, I, I'm responsible for that. But a lot of it is back end stuff. A lot of it is um, we have our, our weekly chats with our with our writers on STLToday.com. I manage and, and plan and, and kind of moderate those. Uh, I produce all of our podcasts. I produce uh, videos weekly for baseball, soccer, hockey. Um, our, our web our web page has to be up and running every day, and so I organize how the web page looks most days. Uh, and then the social our social media accounts as well. I do a lot of management, uh, generally uh, not just baseball related, but just generally for the uh, at STL Today uh, social media accounts. So that's it's it is a fairly vague uh, title. Uh, for a reason, it's meant to be a lot of things, a jack of all trades, so to speak. Uh, I like to call myself the team pinch hitter. I kind <laughs> of do everything. Uh, but it, it it is almost intentionally big so that there's nothing, if we have a project idea that we want to take on, it's my responsibility to kind of execute it. Which you're, is, the,
2: you're the Jose Akendo or, <laughs> yeah. or in a more modern parlance, the Tommy Edmond or <laughs> Ben and Donovan as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. If there's a project someone wants to execute, like we have some things coming up here soon that will expand our audio platform on STLToday.com that it's like we've had a writer come to me and go, hey, have you th- I've thought about doing this, and I'm like, okay, it's my job now to shepherd that idea to execution and help you provide the coverage you want to provide. If there's things like we want a graph, we want a chart, Carter, well, it's my job now. So last year, for example, it was my job every time Albert Pujols hit a home run to make sure there was a video of Albert Pujols hitting a home run on every page at sdltoday.com. Huh. Very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a cool
2: Position, I guess that's kind of uh, uh, not to make it about myself. That's kind of like that. That is sort of the guy in my head, kind of a dream position because you get a lot of you get to do a lot of different things, um, while still you know being focused on largely on you know what you love, which is baseball. So it's it is kind amazing. of
3: a <laughs> This is a very cool role i love I, I would love to expand my role under writing but that's why i have Derek gold and linworthy and my whole team here to teach me how to do that in the future yeah absolutely
2: yeah. uh all right well we're here to talk about the cardinal season so let's talk about the cardinal season um so far uh not going as planned right the cardinals came into the season sort of uh, the favorite to win the division Uh, that's certainly not happening yet. Obviously you're not going to make big conclusions uh, at the end of April, Um, but uh, you know, they're, they're a team that's near the top and on base percentage. The, the, core is still based around goldschmidt and arenado they added wilson Contreras. uh jordan walker started the season with the club is now set back down we'll talk about that <laughs> um but i guess the the you know biggest question for I, non-cardinals fans that are just looking at the standings and wondering what's going on what's going on
3: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i truly believe in the economy of bad vibes and it feels like there's just bad vibes around this team. Losing begets losing, right? Like right. The t- when the team is successful and winning, everyone feels good. They're playing for their best. And now you just have a, a team that is, uh, they're, they're not just fighting to stay alive. They're, fight- they're, they're, they're fighting from drowning almost, right? Like th- this is how a season gets away from you very quickly. You find yourself 10 games back of the division. You, I think they're only five games back of the wild card, which is, I mean, that means that, you know, the Manfred Wildcard system is a success because if a team can be this poor through April and still feel very they're only, you know, a, a good week away from being back in the playoff picture, that, that's a success in terms of the of what they want in terms of teams not, you know, giving up early in the year. But it it's it it's bad vibes, right? Like Nolan Arenado has not been the Nolan Arenado we know. Uh Paul Goldschmidt still has a three oh eight batting average, which I know batting average is like a not not a stat people want to look at anymore but i think it i think it suggests something um but the team doesn't hit well with runners in scoring position the team doesn't have games where they can put together hitting hitting and pitching right the pitching rotation has been much better the last couple of times through the 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 order uh, and, and when they get good pitching they can't hit and when they get good hitting they can't pitch it's just bad vibes and i, I don't know what you have to do like what kind of miles michaelis seance you have to put on to turn the vibes back what what you know I'm going to call it in the economy of vibes what what vibes stimulus package do you need to get like a three or four game winning streak going to really turn this around because you're right like when you look at the team the names you throw out with this team they are better than what their record suggests it's obvious right you have two MVP a winner and a, and a third place finisher you have Wilson Contreras who is a very quality offensive catcher you have some really solid players like Nolan Gorman if you, if you told me you got this production out of Nolan Gorman at the beginning of the season, I'd say, great, they're leading the division. Um, yeah. up, just up and down the line. They're better than what their record suggests. So it's almost like if they can just get this bad vibes monkey off their back, they will figure it out eventually. And the Manfred playoff system gives you the opportunity to not really give up hope for that.
2: Right. Yeah. And, you know, the I mean... It's funny because you look at last season and there was this disastrous stretch, which in hindsight is not so disastrous. Right. But yeah. uh, but even that season was sort of saved by the uh, the miracle uh, August um, where uh, where, you know, they went 22 and seven. They had that that crazy win streak. Um so you know, but but you look at like there's not a single month uh, in 2022 that's as bad as the 10 and 17 April that we're you know now uh, wrapping up uh, as we're recording later this evening uh, uh, against uh, or yeah against the Dodgers this afternoon in in LA. It's kind of kind of going to be late in uh, in uh, yeah. the uh, central time zone here, but. Um, you know, I guess, yes, yeah, as, as far as, as vibes go is, is <laughs> maybe the, the hope is Adam Wainwright shows up, uh, from, uh, from injury with, uh, with the vibe turnaround moment, you know, it's kind of, and, 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 you know, a, a big change made and, and, you know, let's get to it now is, is Jordan Walker getting sent down. And is that, you know, is that part of the vibe situation of like the, Hey, we like Taylor Motter, or is that just like a, Hey, maybe he's just not doing white. He's not, breaking into MLB quite at the pace we thought he was going to coming out of spring training. So send him down for a little bit more seasoning, knowing he's going to be back up in a couple of weeks, or is it just, you know, you kind of have a, a log jam in all those positions or a little bit of both.
3: You know, I, 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 I've, I said it on the best podcast in the minors, the show I do with Daniel Guerrero, but about, about the minor leagues, I hate sending him down. I think that's a mistake. Uh, but who who am I to tell them what to do? I, I guess they're not in a great place to suggest what the best thing to do right now is. But I hate it, especially considering the guy you replace him on the twenty six man roster is Taylor Monter, who hasn't played in eleven games. So I mean, like it it like you have decided to go on a west trip, west coast road trip through Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, and play a man down. You haven't used your twenty six man on the roster, so. Th- I mean, like surely you would have found a spot for Jordan Walker somewhere in that. But, but I digress. It's less about it's less about Taylor Motter and more about finding the right combination of guys or making decisions on Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Alec Burleson and Lars Newbar. That seems like the reason he gets sent down, which is, I mean, certainly a choice. I don't know if it's the one I would have made, but it's certainly a <laughs> choice. At some point, it becomes well. We have to make a decision on one of these guys, on or on one of the four of these guys. I guess it is because you can't have five outfielders, really. I guess you could, but when you have guys like Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond on the roster, you really have more like six or seven outfielders on your roster on your twenty-six man roster. Yeah, it's you. You have to make a decision. Particularly, it feels like on right now Carlson or O'Neill. That feels like what it is, and the guy who could get sent down. I guess you could have sent down Burleson, but the way he'd been playing, it it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, You could send down um, uh, Alec Burleson, but the only guy that really had you had the freedom and option to is Jordan Walker. And the kind of side point of this that I like to point out is that that's actually a really sneaky way of of, um, managing his service time. Right. Like we used to see it all the time with guys not getting called up until May. Him down a couple weeks in and, and his service time stops accruing. And by the end of the year, he's only he hasn't completed a full year of service time. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that's what they've done, but it is a kind of sneaky backdoor way of doing it. Uh, it, I would like to see him back in the major leagues. I think at this point, he's proven to be a major league outfielder uh, or major league hitter, excuse me. He has not proven to be a defensively <laughs> major league. Um, but I, I just don't think he's going to learn anything at triple A, right? Like he will, that yeah, he majors. That's that's the thing. Is like if you expect this person to be a major league hitter facing a bunch of quad A pitchers instead of Clayton Kershaw, for example, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Especially if you're already losing, right? Like if it was August and you're in a playoff hunt and you like they did last year with Nolan Gorman, they didn't have the the, the time to worry about him. They were chasing a playoff spot. It's April. It's early. It's let him learn because when July rolls around and he needs to take on insert. You know, Scion Sandy Alcantara. Let's say which ouch. Um, it, it, you want him feeling like he's faced the best, and not a bunch of dudes in AAA. Yeah. So, I don't love it. I think that's a bad vibes move. I think they're overthinking things at this point. Which can you blame them with the way they
2: lose them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and as you mentioned, like it feels to me like it's not even like a. It it feels like a, hey, this just is the move that we can on paper do. And I, I agree, it feels more like a, you know, and, and Burleson was hitting well, but like Burleson is not, he, he's good, he's a great player, I'd be happy to have him around for a long time, but he's not the future of the club and the way that Jordan Walker is. You know, he's not. he's not the the guy who you're kind of, you know, who you're putting everything on, <laughs> um, whether you should or not put that on Jordan Walker's shoulders, it's there, you know, it's there. Um, and he knows it's there, um, but, and you know, it's not that he was tragic, you know, <laughs> he had that, he had a, a great start to the season and, and whatnot, but yeah, no. Um, uh, speaking of those young players that you did bring up, Nolan Gorman, who, you know, last year came up, played the half a season, was, was perfectly adequate, uh, though maybe not the, uh, the, you know the player that we all necessarily thought he would be he was 22 now he's 23 and and he is that player um uh, are there you know uh, what what adjustments has he made and what what has sort of led to him being arguably the the backbone of this offense
3: it it's so funny because it was it's it's such a unique player in that like we all watched him last year and his flaw was so obvious Right, like it's so rare you see a player this talented have one like real hole in their game, which is that he simply could not lay off high fastballs, particularly mm-hmm. up and away. And he he he, he couldn't like, and he couldn't get to it. He couldn't hit it. He couldn't, and he couldn't lay off of it. Worst of all, right? Like if he could just lay off the pitch, teams would eventually have to not throw it there because it would be that would walk. Like right, he'd take walks, which would be fine. Um, this year, he's he's still. Has trouble with that pitch, but which is, you know, it's not like you can just pick up like all of a sudden. You know what that thing I'm really terrible at. I'm going to fix in one offseason entirely. But he just doesn't swing at it anymore. He doesn't let you beat him like that, which is a fascinating way of 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 adapting. He forces pitchers to come in like particularly down and in on him, which he can handle probably as well as any hitter in baseball right now. Is that is that down and in fastball, down and in breaking ball? Making you come to his kind of swing plane, and he can dominate it. He it's it's a he's a force to be reckoned with, especially at his age. Uh, now, does he still strike out a ton? Yeah, he's he still strikes out a ton, which is not like not unusual for twenty twenty three Major League Baseball. I think it's kind of a thing I have to adapt to mentally is being like a guy who is. You know, in a hundred plate appearances, has twenty nine strikeouts. I think is what he's at this year. He strikes out a third of the time, and it's like, well, you know, like I will take that, considering he has an OPS of nine n- nine hundred plus.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, so does Mike Trout. You know, <laughs>
3: like, like like Paul Goldschmidt won an MVP last year and he struck out like hundred and eighty times. Yeah, right. Like it's just the thing you have to like you have to mentally adapt to. But he does. It's like not like he's a free out every every at bat anymore like he was a little bit towards the end of last year right like I, i'm curious as to what happens if pitchers decide we're just not going to give you that pitch we'd rather walk you and if he gets impatient and go because I, I know guys like to hit right like everyone likes to hit no one li- like they'll take walks no one likes to walk they want to hit a double they want to hit a home run so i'm curious as to what happens is when like he becomes so prolific to a, to an extent he's if he does, if he hit, if he reaches this point where pit teams will just be like, no, we'll just take our chances with forcing you up uh, up and away, or with hard stuff up and in, and we'll see what you do, and if you can't handle it, we'll just give you the walk, because we'd rather you do that than hit a home run. But for now, um, I, I mean, he's proven me wrong, particularly. I didn't think that was an adjustment that he could make, because it's a very difficult adjustment to make, changing a fundamental part of your swing, a fundamental part of your approach. It's a very difficult chore so to speak in terms of um your your an off season and so he's proven me wrong and and you know what I'm I'm happy I'm happy for him that's a, that's great for him i'm i'm very pleased that i am wrong once again
2: <laughs> speaking of uh of guys we're happy for um is paul DeYoung really back for real or is this a, is this a one week mirage because uh you know Paul de young came came up uh was I think started the first game he came back or maybe the next game after that and suddenly started looking like the you know the rookie or, or second year or whatever Paul de young that uh that was crushing baseballs and and playing elite center uh, elite shortstop is that the guy he is is he is is you know are we now forcing them the infield as well as as the outfield and there's just a, a weird you know, offensive log jam or or you know, are we expecting that that uh, regression to come?
3: Well, so I, I I am personally expecting that regression to come, but again, like I just said, I've been wrong before, and I'll yeah. be wrong, and that that. I mean, he,
2: he, listen, nobody thinks Paul DeYoung is a true talent, ten seventy one OPS player. That's <laughs> there's certainly a level of regression coming, but
3: like it's because it's funny because like last year he did the exact same thing. Right, like he comes back from injury, comes back from being demoted. Uh, he gets into, I, I think it was like the National Series when he gets back, uh, like in in at the end of July. No, you know what it was because it was like right after they had left from Toronto. Uh, they they went to Wash, they went to Washington. He started. He hit like home runs in back to back games over the next thirteen games. He hit like three like three hundred plus had an like an OPS of like above above one. And and he was and, and you know I I think I joked at the time he's like Mike Trout for 13 games, right? Like he he was awesome for 13 games. Uh, I I think it's the onus is on him now to prove he can be better than like a, a negative WAR player for more than 13 games, right? Like yeah. I I don't I don't think it's unreasonable for anyone to be like, okay, Paul, you've done this before. We've literally watched this happen a year ago. Be just not bad. Right? Like, just be not bad. And you'll have a spot on this team, right? It's very clear they're going to give Paul Young every opportunity to be on this roster, one way or the other. It's clear that Ollie is, Ollie Marmol is perfectly fine with running him out there at shortstop and moving top, uh, to Tommy Edmond to second base, regardless of how much sense that makes, especially after going an entire offseason saying Tommy Edmond is our starting shortstop and it's on Paul DeYoung to learn other positions to to fit into the lineup. They've decided, nope, Paul DeYoung is the priority at shortstop right now when he's hitting well. Doesn't, I, I, I don't get that, but that's what they've decided. And it's on him to now, like, in this next, you know, week, I guess is what I would say, right? Because it would have been like, he's back up for what, seven, eight games now. Um, You know, go into the Angels series this week, continue to be good. And then continue to be good after that because at this point, I don't want to buy into fool's gold and it's perfectly reasonable for everyone to look around and go like hey we've seen this let's yeah. not exactly trust you yet like uh, there is a significant reason to believe a hu- not just a minor regression a huge regression is coming yeah. and i'm not going to get caught saying oh yeah you're the everyday shortstop paul you've proved me wrong quite yet
2: right no, I, I I agree. It's certainly it's fun while it lasts, um, but uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if if Paul DeYoung is the name that's sent back down uh, in favor of Jordan Walker coming back up. Um, in fact, uh, I would probably put money on it.
3: Um, yeah, that, that that it's that or injury almost. Like, Paul yeah. Young can't get sent down anymore. I don't. I think he. I think that was like a particular. This is something that I, I'd have. I'd have to go quiz Derek Gould on because he he knows all this kind of the ins and outs of this kind of kind of stuff. But last year they sent him down, and it was like four or five days before he had had enough service time to where he couldn't reject an option. Gotcha. Now he's had enough accrued time to where he you would have to DFA him in order and then have him clear waivers, which at his cost is very possible still. Um, yeah, you have to, that, that. would be the route you have to go, which would be a um, certainly a decision that you would have to make.
2: Yeah, I, I mean. It certainly is a decision. I I would be surprised if any team uh, uh, would want Paul DeYoung off waivers, considering his his history and as you said his cost. But you it's know not- maybe.
3: The Dodgers need a shortstop. Who knows?
2: That's true. Uh, I mean, there's also the fact that you know these—he's got buyouts attached to him, so they have to pay him another three million dollars for the next two years. It might honestly be better to, <laughs> depending on on how his how his next couple of weeks look, uh, to let him go and and hope someone takes him off waivers. But who knows? I mean, maybe maybe he's maybe he's back. Maybe maybe he's that guy. Uh, let's talk about the pitching because that is that is was certainly the pain point coming into the season. As you said, they've been a little better this time through the rotation. Although the relief core, who I think we kind of expected the bullpen to be, uh, not as much of a pain point as the rotation has been, uh, 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 you know, Ryan Housley has blown three. saves. the, the bullpen has more, uh, blown saves than saves, which is not something you want to see at any point. Um, w- what, I mean, it, it, talk about uh, vibes, you know, if, if there's, if there's a, a vibe mismatch somewhere, it feels like it's, it's there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the, I guess I'll start with the starting rotation. Is that like it, you went out and didn't do anything in the off season after it being a huge point of contention that you had to go out and buy at the trade deadline, which is something right. Like that's, this this the pitching rotation didn't improve in any metric from last year this year. It is essentially the same, barring a few like some very small removals, right? Like Jose Quintana is no longer here. That, that's, yeah, that's
2: really and changed. Flaherty is healthy. You and know, is healthy. Like,
3: uh, and yeah. he hasn't looked. You know, like you look at, and you look at all these guys and you go, okay. So for this team to be elite, this team to be like a like Astros, Phillies, uh Dodgers, Braves, Mets caliber Padres caliber team you're going to need every one of these guys to be the best version of themselves or pitch above their like median performance for most of the season and then get hot in October and, and I, I, I know it's an unpopular phrase but like I, I actually do really really buy into the phrase that like October is just luck right like that's just the way it goes and yeah it's actually, like to do like I don't the DeWitts, like, saying, like, oh, we just need to get into October, or, or John Moselick like, saying we just need to get into October, and then from there it's just kind of luck. They're not totally wrong about that. I think they've underestimated how much luck you can create for yourselves, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Jordan Montgomery has looked every bit the role of what you ask, but want him to be, which is like a two or thir- second or third starter in a rotation. Miles um, Michaelis is not. Steven Metz is not. Jake Woodford, I mean, what are we asking of Jake Woodford? He's actually been pretty good for the last three starts, just hasn't really come together. I think two I think the last two Cardinals wins wins have been Jake for starts, actually, which is if I'm remembering correctly, but I'm probably not there. And then Jack Flaherty has been not terrible. It's just not good. So everyone is not terrible, just not good right now, which is something to behold, right? Like that's the exact opposite of what you were hoping going into the season, right? Like I just said, you were hoping everyone would pitch above their median performance. They've all pitched either below it or at. Not good. Uh, and then the bullpen, uh, like I caught a lot of flack this offseason for saying, if, if you can get a starting catcher for Ryan Helsley, you do it immediately. Because, and that's not even a disrespect on Ryan Helsley or, or Giovanni Gallegos or Jordan Hicks or Zach Th- like Zach Thompson or any, any of these guys. It's just that relief pitchers we've seen so yeah. every year, there is a huge variance in performance year to year. The best, the reason why guys like, um, Devin Williams in Milwaukee and Josh Hader now in in, in, San, in uh, San Diego and, and you go up and down the list of these guys who are elite uh, bullpen guys it's not because they're actually that amazing it's just because they're really good consistently they're very very good every year which is a huge premium to get out of a relief pitcher and we hadn't seen anybody in this bullpen do it consistently Ryan Helsley had a great year last year. No one can take that away from him. He, he got hurt towards the end of the season. I wouldn't like that. That's the number one reason for his kind of box at the end of last year is his health, which is something that you just can't get too upset about, I think, um, on his angle. And then you look up and down the rest of the bullpen and you go, hey, uh, who here has done anything on a consistent level? How can you feel comfortable about it? You're basically rolling the dice every year as to which bullpen guys feel good or bad, right? Uh, this year's Drew VerHagen has been pretty good. Uh, Zach Thompson has been pretty good. Last year, the most one of the most reliable bullpen slash starter guys was Andre Pellante. He's been optioned, right? Like it's it's just a dice roll. And with the bullpen, it's it's just one of those things that every year you kind of have to hope you have the best of guys, and the and then from there, if you don't, you have to rely on your development process of guys coming from AAA to kind of augment that every year and hope that you get. A few guys hit like a Zach Thompson, like an Plante. Um At this point, Jordan Hicks is past that point, but there are guys in AAA who i who I look at and go, "I am." They're going to play a role here this season eventually. I don't know when, but they are a guy like a Connor Thomas has a genuine role to play on this team at some point this year. Matt Libertor is going to start um, at some point. Jake Woodford is going to be a relief pitcher, which is a uh, n- by no almost no fault of his own. But at some point, they're going to use him as a relief pitcher. It seems like. And then, if you can just get Ryan Helsley to just not be, um, not collapse, I guess is is what I'm I'm hoping for. Just find some semblance of what he was last year. All of a sudden, the bullpen you can kind of reshape the bullpen in its own image. And then, if you're close enough towards the end of the year, go find guys who are hot this year in the in the trade market, right? Like this, team, like that's the thing I feel like we're going to get to at some point. Is how far out is this team from the playoff spot, which I mentioned earlier? The Manfred system makes it not that far. And can you go buy some relief pitchers at the deadline and what are you willing to trade for them? Because there's lots of, they have lots of resources in the minors. I can tell you that
2: much. Right. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the um, uh, I guess fallibility of the, the inconsistency of relievers. And and this team has, you know, multiple times over the last 10, 15 years gone out and given a multi-year reliever contract to somebody like Brett Cecil or, or, you know, somebody who, who maybe potentially had a couple of years of success and then got a four year deal that potentially they shouldn't have. And that's something that, I know I have complained about many, many times. And so, yeah, like I, 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 for the same reason, right? Relievers largely are not consistent. Yeah, you have the guys, like you said, like the Devin Williams, the Josh Hader. And, you know, in the past, you had guys like, like, uh, uh, Kimberl and Chapman. And, and, and then even before that, obviously. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the, it, a reliever is going to throw 60, 70 innings. Like that's, that's a, a third of a season. Um, and, you know, any, any pitcher can have a good third of a season. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's good.
3: it's a third of the season, but they see themselves into 60 games too. Right. right. That's, is the, They're more, they play more often than starting pitchers. So there's a certain amount of like being ready every day. Yeah. Some, right for for long stretches some guys are not able to be like I can pitch on multiple days I can do this and, and they can't do it every single year sometimes they have a good year sometimes they have a bad year it, the, the guys who make it are guys who can go ev- be ready to pitch every single day and, and that's not a like I don't even I, like that sounds like I'm trying to be critical of the current relief corps it's a very difficult thing to do for anybody and yeah. and and the fact that there are guys who can do it is more of a miracle rather than the guys who can't. Um, so if guys can be if it's just about finding the right combination of guys who are being really, really good that year, that's usually when the solid bullpen comes together. And this is where it comes when I say like you can build your own luck. You can build your own luck by having a pitching rotation that goes seven innings every most games, right? And not having to rely so much on on bullpen work. That's how you build your own luck. Um, right now it's not a symbiotic relationship. They're not building their own luck off of each other. In fact, they're drowning each other, which is making it even worse. Um, but at, at some point, there will be a combination. Like the thing, like like I said with Paul Young, there will be a regression. At some point, I think with the talent on this in this organization, right? You even look down in Triple A, guy like like Jake Tom, um, Jake Walsh, excuse me. He's going to be a, he's going to factor in somewhere. He's a guy who throws ninety eight plus from the right side. He's a he's a closer for Memphis, and he's a quality reliever. He's going to play a role at some point this year because there are guys who are pitching their way. Off of the major league roster, and he's pitching his way onto it. So, I th- I think the roster we look at at the trade deadline versus today might be radically different, especially if things
2: don't change. Yeah. Um. All right, well, as we go into May, what uh, what are your predictions? What do you think are are you know what 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 does the team need to do to sort of put April behind them and and come into a strong May? They start off against the uh, the Angels and then the Tigers before uh, before a home stretch. What's uh, what are sort of the keys to, to May here?
3: Well, first and foremost, I am actually very excited to get this team back at home. I think that's a part of it. I think kind of being stranded out on the West coast for 10 games when you're terrible uh, hurts a lot more than like, if this like was a home stretch, I, like if they, had, if they had been doing this over 10 game home stretch, I genuinely might've written off the season and been like, Oh, this team just doesn't have it. But being stranded and being bad is, is painful, right? Like, that that is hard, and I, I know they lo- they lose, they split a series with the Pirates. They they lose a series to the Diamondbacks at home. Like sh- sure, understood, but getting back home is is important. Uh, the other thing I'm hoping to see more in, in terms of prediction is just more stability. I'd like I would like to see. I think Ollie Ollie is tinkering with the lineup, tinkering with defensive responsibilities, tinkering with every part of it because they're just trying to find something that works they're just trying to find like what is the thing that's going to get this team sparked right is it dylan carlson in center field is it um yesterday they had wilson Contreras DHing instead of being behind the plate is it like what is this combination of things that will spark something anything out, out of this team and i'm hoping some stability playing guys in regular spots every day um, giving guys opportunities to to consistently contribute in ways that they were expecting to, uh, and then getting some start and getting building off of what has genuinely been a good couple of, uh, I don't know, ter- two turns through the starting rotation just to, to stabilize things a little bit, right? Like y- yesterday was unfortunate when in the Jordan Montgomery versus Clayton Kershaw start where, where Gumby like shoves right? You can't ask for more out, out of him. He was awesome. And then you face Clayton Kershaw, who is a Hall of Famer in his own right, right, and he does as well. And so like, hopefully, like any other stretch, you just kind of spit on that and go, you know what, we got beat today. Now it feels worse than it actually is. And so hopefully they can kind of build off of some of their starting starting pitching performances. We get maybe a solid one later today from Jake Woodford and get some offense today. They clearly liked getaway days. I mean, they've won uh, the, the, the last game of the series, like, what is it, one, two, three... Four, four, one, two. I'm looking at the schedule now. Three, four, five straight series. They've lost the they've lost the opening game and and won the closing game. Um, so if you can, like, I would start slow, win two games in a row, like get get back into this. Just don't let this this season get away from you in May. If you, I mean, I, I don't mean to like be totally underwhelming in this prediction, but if you could, like, if you can just finish May five hundred. I, I think things will start to level out in the, in the National League Central, right? Like, maybe you don't get yourself back into the race immediately, but you keep your wildcard distance at five, six, four. keep it in that range. The Pirates, I think, will eventually fall off. I, I don't know how much I believe in them yet, but they can, I again, more than happy. More Well, I've been proven wrong many times, but I don't know. The Brewers are the club I'm actually more worried about, to be completely honest. But if you can just keep it at a distance and, and just steady the ship through the month of May, get into June, get into like get into the trade deadline to be buyers, that might put you in a position where this team could be a playoff team again. Because we talked about it off the top. This is a good group. They're too talented to be this bad. So if you can just steady the ship through May, use this as a steadying month, the season might not be lost. But if things start to spiral or stay the same, uh, man i it's going to be a long long summer and I, I and I for one am not looking forward to that.
2: Yeah. Um all right Carter before I let you go is there any any last thoughts on either the Cardinals or or any other team around baseball that you've been just keeping an eye on? I mean even the Pirates who are uh, as you said probably a mirage but the first National League team to 20 wins uh, somehow uh, just as we all predicted I suppose. Um any yes. any final final thoughts?
3: Um it, final, final thoughts. Again, this team is too good to be this bad. And if you told me they were a 500 club, okay, I might buy it. But the, being this bad, I just don't buy it. Right. I think it's going get better. There will be a regression to the means, so to speak. Uh, if they can just keep it close, this team is still a playoff team, and then you go buy. Uh, and then if you don't, if they decide to sell, th- there has to be wholesale changes, which is which is... I don't know what those are. It's clear the organization isn't ready to do that. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, throughout the rest of the league, man, keep an eye on that AL East. I keep I watch that a ton, the AL East race between Tampa, Baltimore, and Toronto. Like, yeah, Toronto is not, is what 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 are they in their last ten? What am I looking at here? Eight and two in their last ten, and they haven't made up any ground in the AL East. That's yeah. gonna be a fun division to watch. Such a That's fun it. bit of baseball. And then
2: my the classic place, AL East, the, the team in the tank is 500. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, 14 to
3: 14. And they are nine games out of, they're the same distance out of first place as the, as the Cardinals are. And they're 14, and 14. It's, yeah. just, it's just brutal. Um, uh, it, it it's exciting. Um, it, it's, I like baseball being around more than anything, but I will say, shout out to my Toronto Maple Leafs finally breaking through <laughs> when I'm wearing the Jersey from last night. Still, um, it finally breaking through, uh, but uh, thank you, Naim, for having me on. today. it's uh, we we should talk more in the future about.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Well, well. Once once the uh, cards have turned this around, we'll we'll be sure to have you back on to talk about their uh, amazing turnaround and <laughs> uh, and what they did to uh, to achieve it. So, um, <laughs> well, that, that's going to do it for this segment. Uh, once again, thank you to Carter, and you can check out uh, all the Carter stuff on at the St. Louis Post Dispatch, stltoday.com. Uh, at uh, Chapley Media uh, on Twitter. That's C-H-A-P-L-E-Y Media. Anywhere else to find you, Carter?
3: Uh, Instagram, at Carter Chapley Media. I, I'll, I'll be there because with the death of Twitter, I'm more than happy to move off of it uh, slowly. <laughs> and then I'm on uh, Reddit as well, at Carter at the PD. Um, I kind of lurk in cardinals reddits and city reddits and stuff and and baseball so if you see me popping around there that's me
2: fantastic all right thank you so much carter and uh we will catch you now probably in the outro
0: Rain Delay Radio is produced by Lewis. Dylan and Pat co hosted this week's episode. Thank you to our guest, Carter Chapley. Rain Delay Radio is edited by Nime, and our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Rain Delay Radio releases every Monday morning at 1 a.m. Eastern. We will see you next week. All right.
3: There we go.